What is up, everybody? Welcome to Survivor Stock Watch based on the Survivor Now podcast. I am Jack, and with me is Will. Say hi, Will. Hi, Will. <laughs> um, this is our uh, this is our first Stock Watch show. Uh, this is my first Survivor podcast ever. Uh, and I'm really excited to. Uh, I'm really excited to get to it. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it. Uh, how are you on this fine day? I'm doing great. I uh, had a busy day. I came home like 20 minutes ago and just stuffed my hands <laughs> with food, and now I'm here. So, yeah. Fair enough. Man. Fair enough. I, I, it's been, you know, it's uh, we're both students. It's finals week is coming up soon. It is not going to be a fun next couple of weeks in terms of that, but you know, we're um we're sitting, we're thriving, and we're just talking to Survivor tonight. It's just chill, you know. Yeah. We're doing our little analytics feel. Um, this is my first time doing a podcast, and this is my first time uh, doing the Stock Watch podcast, and so um, I just want to at first kind of give my thoughts on season 44 so far and kind of where it's going. And I want to see what kind of opinions you have uh, based off mine as well. Um, the new era. It's a lot. There's a lot going on in this new era. There's a lot of Jeff isms. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of quirks and a lot of weird things. Some twists that are a little game breaking. Um, the casts are really what kind of bring it all together for me. And I think it's definitely this season that's really set forward that the cast is always the best part uh, of Survivor. You kind of look at season 37, David versus Goliath. You look at 28, Kagiyan. Those two seasons had absolute bangers of casts. And this season is pretty damn good, too. Don't you think? So... Here's the thing. I know a lot of people, a lot of people, they're very critical of the new era. But the one thing the new era has done a really, really good job on, and I think, I don't know who really disagrees with this, is the casts. Like, as much problems as people have with season 41, no one really hates the cast personally, except for everyone who doesn't like, like, Shan. Like, but there's still highlights like Nasir, Ricard, brad tiffany you know and and i feel like and that's just from one season from one season and i can go on and on about 42 and 43 but that's like the one thing i think the new era has done a really good job on because again survivor really lives and dies by the cast right you mentioned kagiyan and david versus goliath and you know kagiyan it had some like weird things in the season they had to quit uh an overpowered idol Absolutely. but no one really talks about that and people talk about the amazing cast right and so i don't want to say it's too soon to say this cast rivals like kagiyan or any veteran season except uh 26 but it's it's it has been a really good cast and a lot really good seasons absolutely um i think kind of backing off of that i think the one big thing about these new era seasons and what they've been trying to do with their casting is diversity. And I don't mean just in terms of race, in terms of uh, gender, sexual identity, things like that. I also mean in terms of personality, because we've seen so many radically different people from radically, radically different walks of life and they're good 
people from those walks of life. They're not duds. They all have something yeah. just absolutely fascinating about them. And some are Olympians and some are just, you know, farmer yeah. boys. But, you know, it's really awesome to see that it's kind of taking mm -hmm. itself in that direction. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's very exciting. You look at the winners, right? You have Erica, Marianne, and then Gabler winning back to back to back. Like, all three are oddballs in their own rights. Not, not so much with Erica. She's yeah. a pretty normal. But either way, it's like pretty oddball curveball wins. And I think piggybacking on that, I think one of the biggest things Survivor has been trying to do is give everyone a voice and give everyone a story. There's some people, like, if you go back and rewatch, like, season 42 and season 41, like, JD, for whatever reason, he had a story that was going on to the pre-merge of season 41, despite him being the fourth boot, right? And we have some longer-lasting storylines, like, with Jesse from season 43, where his whole story about, you know, him turning his life around. And that's, people are conflicted with this, because a lot of people, they think that Survivor should be more about the game or that not everyone needs a snob story. However, at the same time, if I went on Survivor, I would want to do anything I can to give my own story out, right? And I think the easiest way to do that is to say, like, here's what I've experienced and here's what I've gone through. You know, being an asshole isn't necessarily going to, like, do you any favors, <laughs> even though Randy's been wanting the next, you know, Survivor Corinne. <laughs> but I have been loving every single cast, with the exception of like One World and 39. But One World isn't I'm, even modern anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, you know, we just had so many crazy people. Another thing about, um, which is why I think this season has done well, at least kind of so far in um, particular, is the definition of relationships and really highlighting those relationships. I think watching the episode uh where matt got voted out i think it was very clear to me that um there were strong relationships being um that have been set up and are being capitalized on in that last episode particularly with uh jam jam and carolyn and matt and franny those relationships were building and were building and were building and had to define the story and so the emotional payoff with that tribal council was astronomically high compared to a normal tribal council like per se if jam jam and carolyn had a relationship but matt and franny didn't that tribal council would have no stakes and it would be a relatively easy matt boot but because we got so much with matt and franny and that was highlighted clearly i think the editors in that aspect have done a very good job now with that in mind <laughs> The editors have done a good job with that. However, I think there is still the issue of a lot of time spent on challenges and um, advantages. I think those two areas are absolute problem areas for focus. I think the last challenge was Eve 6, and that challenge went on for 20 minutes. I think there was a commercial in there as well. Yep. You can't do that. You can't do that. That is cutting time away from figuring out more about relationships. Uh, I was on a forum a few days ago and I was seeing everybody talk about the, uh, the beginning of the previous episode, not uh, the one, the most recent one, but the one before that, um, where there was so much dy dynamic conversation going on and action in the game. 
That's what we want to see. We want to see the challenge. We want to see advantages, but we don't want to see that does. That's not all survivor is. And I think there's a little bit of confusion on that. What do you think? Well, the, the conversely though, I, you have to see it where the editors are and survivor challenges in itself is the most flashy attention grabbing thing. It's easy for, you know, casuals to watch, right? Uh, like I see on YouTube all the time, I get recommended just like survivor clips. Like we see the auction all the time, just different challenges because it's easy to condense and to convey. Right. And it's easy for casuals to, who don't really watch survivor. They might watch, you know, every other episode, forget it's on like someone like my dad. Right. And he doesn't, he doesn't know who any of the characters are, but he can, he watches the challenge and he understands like the gist of what's happening. I think, I think though, I do agree that sometimes it's a little too long. Um, and you know, I know already if like Randy was here, he would talk about Survivor Australia and how you know those challenges are are tough. But I think Survivor just needs longer episodes because I think the they have all the right makings, right? They can make the best Survivor episodes that we've seen because the challenge is pretty lame, but like flashy enough. And we do get glimpses of everyone as characters and their relationships and whatnot. I think just an extra 30 minutes could really drive home because we get a little bit more. And I think that would help mitigate a lot of the problems a lot of fans have with modern Survivor. Absolutely. A lot of fans and uh, a lot of fans have been talking about uh, Redmond's post about a week and a half ago. Um, There's a rumor that it's going to be 90 minute episodes for season 45. That is huge. If it was 90-minute episodes every episode, um, but you had the same time allotted for these 60-minute episodes for the 90 minutes, you could have those somewhat long challenges. You could have those advantage-finding periods. You can have the tribals that um, I will admit have gotten a little bit shorter in terms of length, which is good because the routine is getting, you know, sometimes yeah. the routine of tribal council is a little stale unless something chaotic happens. Um, you allow those 15 to 20 minutes extra to build on relationships and dynamics and you get like a commercial break or two in there now you're talking that yeah. is that is some good balanced survivor and i think if we see that with 45 i think it's going to be i think it's going to be good but i think um i think overall 44 still has some of those new era woes but i think uh it's that tried and true method if the cast is good this season's gonna be good 42 was great because the cast was pretty great yeah 41 was all right because the cast was all right it's all the past is great i will defend the cast <laughs> 40, the cast of 41 was not the problem it was the it, it honestly it, it was, was just, it was just rough you know, it felt very similar to Survivor Borneo, but the like the producers knew what they wanted to happen. They just didn't know how to convey it with the new with just the new everything. You talk about disparity between casting. You take a look at this season to Ghost Island, and the difference is just absolute miles upon miles upon miles. And I think that stands out. I liked uh, that Bradley guy from Ghost Island. Like, there's some few highlights. <laughs> I would like Island. him. He was a, he was a nice uh, he was a nice little pre-merge villain. I, I appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
We know so, why you're here. We, we're here for the stocks. Um, just giving some later. thoughts. Yeah, just giving some thoughts on a uh, 43. Um, I think we should just jump right into the stocks. Um, we're gonna go one by one alphabetically for each person. Uh, we're gonna show an Excel an Excel sheet, um, and it's going to show my personal stock watch ratings. <laughs> Will might um, Will might disagree. And that is going to be the topic of some heavy discussion, but uh, I think that is, I think that's good. I think that's healthy. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. We're going to start off with Carolyn. Uh, at first with Carolyn, I completely wrote her off. Um, I did the same with Marianne in 42. I wrote her off. The edit was over too over the top and too visible for winner. That second episode rolls around and I noticed something different about Carolyn and I noticed longevity because she's actually doing good things and actually survived at tribal council. Um, and that trend has kind of continued. It continued all the way to episode five where I had her at number two. Um, but recently, I think with more contenders starting to pop up with other people and her kind of falling into the background a little bit more, I think I'm a little lenient to put her higher on the contenders list. I want to kind of keep her low because I think with Carolyn, her strength is an OTT edit and a strong personality edit where she's on the right side of the numbers. She should have gotten more focus and more time and more opportunity to give thought on the episode where Matt went home and Yam Yam was in trouble. Jam Jam. Jam Jam, in my opinion. Um, I think if she had that and she had more focus, I would have put her um, in that top range. Not to say she's not in the top range. She's still number four for me after this episode, but I think we got to see a real strong positive uptick in the edit starting now for me to put her higher on the list. I agree a little bit. I really disagree though. When we talk about Matt and his vote, don't forget Carolyn is completely powerless in that situation. There is nothing she could do to even attempt to save jam jam, except for fighting the key, right? We do have content of her being upset about her relationship with jam jam but at the same time it it gives me a hope because i feel like conversely it focused a lot on franny and matt and we saw what happened with them too right and so because it only saw a little bit and we, we we knew that jam jam was in trouble we knew carolyn was upset we knew that carolyn wanted jam jam to stay we knew that and so i think that episode didn't need to dwell on it because, again, Carolyn was ultimately powerless. And instead, we saw a lot more with Jam Jam and how he was able to survive and not Carolyn's influence because Carolyn never had influence. Um, I will say the biggest concern I have with Carolyn is that she's going. She's a great player. I will say that. Because Absolutely. her biggest strength is her self-awareness. She knows how she's perceived. She knows how a, she is feeling and how she should be feeling. And she's able to recognize what's happening in the game. The problem, though, is that A, no one, everyone's going to write her off. Or B, too many people will see this and view her as a threat, which they really should, especially later on. 
However, because Carolyn is starting to fall back into the background a little bit in the chaotic merge, because don't forget, early merge, very chaotic, a lot of powerful players, and with as visible as Carolyn is, if she does win the game, then I could see the editors trying to hide her to po help promote you know, some other players who aren't making it as far. Um, so I think I do. I wouldn't put Carolyn number one, but I would. I'd put a number two personally. I think the highest I would consider Carolyn for right now is number two. Um, I think the lowest is absolutely four. Carolyn has been one of the biggest presences in this season, and I think putting her anything lower than four is a disservice yep. to the character and player that Carolyn is. Um, Again, I, I I agree with your point about um, mm -hmm. the Matt round and how she did not have influence. Um, I think just based on how other contenders are trending, my top three personally and how they've been going slash are trending, I think I'm comfortable with leaving her at four for now. But mm -hmm. if we see a generous episode on Wednesday, I'm 100% willing to bump her up a little bit. You want to go to Carson? <laughs> we had some pre-show debate about this one. Will does uh, Will dissents. He does not agree with mine. Um, <laughs> um, my my whole mantra with Carson is: if the going is good, keep it good. Carson's edit has been cookie cutter cookie cutter perfect he's got the content he needs strategically he's strong playing a good game maybe not as much personal stuff as he needs to be a winner but uh it's just been a strong um strong edit so far he is very clearly in control of this game if not for, if not jam jam it's carson because he's got in with everybody even soka the tribe that he wasn't on in the pre-merge He's in with them as well, and he showed that by talking to Danny, by talking to Franny, by talking to Heidi, like all that stuff. Um, the doubt I have with Carson, the, the creeping doubt I have with Carson, it's starting to get a little game body. It's yep. starting to get a little, I'm going to be eliminated right before the end kind of deal. And that's what scares me. My, my whole mantra is, if the going is good, it's good. I had Jesse as basically the top contender almost the whole time in Survivor 43. Look how that worked out. But mm -hmm. I thought, Jesse, it's going good. Let's keep it going good. There's also Omar. There's also, also Omar. There's also Mark Ricard. Absolutely. All those people who get eliminated right before the end. Mm -hmm. My fear is this new era has been edited in the same way where this – sixth, seventh, fifth, fourth player is just really, really strong, but just gets taken out right before the end. And I'm starting to see those cracks emerge, which is why he's at my number two now and not my number one. So here's my thing with Carson. <laughs> like straight up before I go into this, Carson seems like a cool guy. I've never met him. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous that he's a super fan and got to play Survivor. And I'm jealous that he made Merge. And if Carson's ever watching this, or if we can bring Carson on, I would love to have him on. Absolutely. But Same here. <laughs> the problem with Carson is that he is he is so big, he's going to fail. 
like actual stocks. You know, I see his stocks rising and it's just getting higher and higher and it's going to turn into the Great Depression. It's going to plummet because I think he's playing too good of a game. And I think his strongest attribute will always be his strategic sense, right? He's able to, but I feel like he's a little too game body. And I think kind of similar to what I was saying about Carolyn, about how if people start to pick apart her game, they'll target her. I think Carolyn, her personality makes it easier for people to overlook that. But with Carson, I feel like it's a lot easier. Like once the once the radar's on him, he has to win challenges. And I Can I think he do he's that? Just, he but that? Can he do that? Can he win challenges? Is he, he win enough? I don't think so. I think he's good at the, he's uh, he's clearly good at the puzzles. Clearly puzzle master, one of the top we've seen in the new era for sure. But otherwise and again, I think I I just I don't see Carson winning this game. If he wins, I will do something for charity. But, <laughs> I do that. Um, but you, the, he's so big and he's playing such a perfect game that I keep drawing parallels to Shan, to Ricard, um, to Omar, to Jesse. I just don't see him winning this this season. I wouldn't place him last. I'd place him like fifth, though. I would. I don't know. That's fair. I yeah. I I think the dilemma comes up with Carson about a potential fall is whether it's going to be good right into the end and then it falls right when he gets eliminated, or it's going to start to fall over these next few episodes and it's going to kind of cascade down to the point where he's down and out. I think it's the former. I think we're seeing this edit be really, really common, and we're seeing this kind of trend with all these strong endgame players that they're really, really good, but right at the end, bam, it's over. And it's because of someone else's stronger game. So I have to agree. Right now, though, I just cannot deny the strength of Carson's game and his edit, and that's why I have him so high it could easily fall in these next few weeks i'm i'm i if i'm a betting man i'd i'd bet it i'd what i would place my bets <laughs> like I'd, absolutely do not put your stocks in carson's stocks the time to invest in carson was a while ago the time to invest in carson was the beginning you, of the season you better you better now, sell now. now it's time to sell <laughs> but, the jam jam express He's, <laughs> he's right, you're teetering right on the edge of starting to fall. Next up, we got Mr. Danny. Uh, I've had Danny relatively low most of this time just because of uh, kind of a concept of if you are not at all in the premiere of Survivor, no shot. No shot. Danny was not in the premiere of Survivor. He was shown a few times in some images and in the challenge. He was not in the premiere of Survivor. And that's someone I can't see personally winning the game. With that being said, he's definitely gotten a lot stronger as time has gone on. Uh, time has uh, gone on, especially with finding the idol and basically kind of having this joint control of Soka and kind of the game just a little bit now uh, with Heidi. 
And I think that idle play on Franny, huge resume booster. Now, the next time on Survivor did show Danny is going to, you know, Danny is going to get some heat from that, from playing that idle on Franny. It's a big move. But if he can figure out a way to lay low and hide under that and kind of coast his way towards the final six, final five, I think he may be gifted enough physically and with finding idols to be able to Devin's his way to the end of the game. And I think that would probably be his best strategy considering how almost everybody is starting to see him as this threat. Do you know who Danny really reminds me of? And I just put my finger on it. Um, Not Mike White, Mike Holloway from 31. Interesting. Interesting. But not, not so much just personality speaking, but my, my thing with Danny, he is, I feel like he is just like the de facto seventh place, you know, like strong game. He kind of reminds me of High from 42. I like that comparison. Because I feel like they've both played strong games. No one can deny that, but they're not in the upper echelon of like great, amazing gameplay. Danny, he's made a few cool moves. You know, we had the whole idle birdcage thing early on, and he was the best at, you know, getting the playing the fake idol and grabbing the real one. He had the idol play, but I feel like these moves, they, they have a lot of fluff to them. Yeah. And like, uh, like him idling out or idling out Brandon, I feel like that's, that helps Franny more than it helps Dan. I mean, obviously it helps Franny, but I don't yeah. know how much it really helps Danny other than just keeping Franny who's an ally. Right. And so I feel like, and Franny, I feel like, I feel like what's going to happen with Danny is that Franny's going to win some challenge, and then Danny's going to be the next best thing. I like, uh, I really like the um, analogy of Danny is right on the upper echelon, but he's not in that upper echelon. Yeah. I completely agree with that. He's that player like Sammy from Forty Three or uh, High from Forty Two, someone that's right there and has played a good game and will probably continue to play a good game at least for a little bit longer. But Mm -hmm. I just don't see him making it to that top tier. He's got those fluffy plays and those big plays, but I'm not Mm -hmm. sure in terms of longevity that's going to matter because beyond his relationship with Heidi and him basically – Hunt, yeah, with Soka in general. I mean, his alliance is the Soka tribe. He is trying to get in with other people. He's trying to get in with Carson and uh, Carolyn and Jam Jam. Like, he's trying to get in with the Tika people. But I fear now with this idle play for Franny to get out Brandon, it's a little too late, and he's going to have a hard time maybe escaping that uh, threat mantra now because now he's going to be in the people that – maybe started to be targeted consistently. Yep. Yeah. So moving on to Franny now. Oh boy. Franny um <laughs> I I like Franny. I think Franny um I think Franny is a good player and I think she's uh been pretty socially aware. She's been the voice of reason out of the Matt and Franny relationship. Matt's been kind of the love struck doofus that will do anything for Franny. Franny is the voice of reason out of that and the voice of connection. You saw how uh, kind of Franny kind of helped her and Matt 
basically group up with Danny and Heidi early on. And that four was basically gelling well. They were good to go. Um, this week in particular, with losing Matt the previous week, I think what we saw is what I wanted to see out of Franny. Yep. But not a hundred percent. I think it may be too early. If Franny had a complete a hundred percent breakout, Matt's gone. What do I do? And then flourishes and gets the idol played for her. I think that would be a telltale sign that, Oh, okay. Franny's got a really good shot at this. Her stock is one or two. Yep. It was good. And I think the separation for Matt is there. And I think being good enough with Danny to get the idol played on her is good. I just don't think it's good enough. But I think if she doesn't get targeted this coming tribal council, I think she's good to make it into seventh or sixth place. And I think I'd be comfortable with kind of leaving her there. So here's my opinion on Franny. I will say, uh, character-wise, Franny is probably top three, probably third, right? Yeah. Under under Jam Jam and Carolyn, of course, because no one's no one's beating that. No, no one's beating those two. 100%. I will say, I think she could have played Matt's vote out better. I think mm, absolutely. Big, um, did they have to change a vote, or were they able to abstain from that? I don't think they had to. Uh, I don't think Heidi had to play that advantage where she had to change uh, a vote. I think there was a bad play personally on Heidi's part. And I think I'm going to maybe jump ahead of you and maybe say what you were about to say, but I think Franny winning overall kind of screwed Matt in a way. Actually, I disagree. I think the Franny's best move, this might be a little crazy, but stick with me on this one. Mm. Win the challenge do not attempt to save Matt because they mm. don't forget that side of the beach. They're in a position where they are helpless, right? They cannot help the other tribe. And we saw that with Carolyn to jam jam, right? Now, if Carolyn had the choice, she would obviously do anything in her power to save jam jam. But the issue was, is that um, Franny had the choice of whether or not she could try to save Matt and it didn't work out. I think if nothing happened, Franny would be in a better position because Matt would still be going out. Franny would have zero blood in her hands and have a guaranteed jury vote and someone to actively sway the jury for Franny, right? And she also gets to isolate herself from Matt because now she's a free agent and not glued to an alliance member and shackled down. And I like Matt, and I don't like to say he, Franny was shackled by Matt, but you know people would think twice about voting out Franny now when before she, they wouldn't. The issue comes when Franny revealed too much of her cards to try to save Matt, and it didn't work out. If it worked mm. out, it would have been whatever. But, you know, and she did a good job about, like, having Heidi play. Like, Heidi was the one who found it, so she's able to mitigate some blame. And plus, everyone knows that they were tight, so they wouldn't blame Franny. But I, I think that had that advantage not happened, Franny would be in an even better position. Now, I'm really interested to see um, what happens in that situation where Brandon wins the overall challenge and Franny just wins immunity. Uh, because I think 
that would probably mean Kane. I think Kane was in that group. I think Kane would go home, right? In that because it's Carson Carolyn, Danny Heidi Franny, and Kane. I think Kane would be gone there unless the Sokas grouped up and mm-hmm. ganged on one of the Tikas. I don't know if they'd gang up on the Tikas though, unless it's I, I don't know. Carson I don't know. Only Tika that I think is in danger right now. I think. I think the I I think if her idea was maybe to separate from Matt and that was clear to us and she went for that and tried and to disassociate, I think it would be a fantastic move. I agree. I think also if she was second in that challenge, let her tribe come to tribal and they just get rid of Kane, that would have worked if she wanted to stay with Matt. I think she had a miscommunication with herself in terms of what kind of goal and outcome she wanted. She wanted to be close to Matt and she wanted to show that, but Matt ended up going home, which in turn left her in a bad position. Yep. And I think, I think she had, I think she tried doing both. She had to sway one or the other. It's either put myself in danger, make it clear. I'm trying to save Matt or let Matt go and not take any blame. Right. Absolutely. Anyway, but, you know, now she's got a jury vote. 100%. Exactly. If she makes it to the end, she's got one jury vote. And not only a jury vote, but someone advocating. Like, an advocate in the jury is league stronger than just a vote. Because a vote is one, but an advocate could be for many. So, yeah. All right. Heidi is next. I am high on Heidi right now. Everybody. Uh I... I I again I don't think she's don't think she's top two right now. Um, but Heidi is definitely made her way from kind of in the middle to near the top because her game has started to have starting to come alive. Yep. She's shown as in my opinion, the overall voice of reason and direction for the Soka people. Danny is kind of like the big, I'm going to play the idol. I'm going to win the challenge kind of guy. And Franny is maybe the target now. Heidi is that strong voice. Really, she's the glue and the leader of that Soka group. And I think she's absolutely pivotal to how the rest of this game plays out. I think she teeters right on the edge of the top. And I think she's starting to enter that upper echelon of players if she makes a good move next episode. I just wonder how she continues to play because Heidi's someone I'm kind of unclear about what in particular she really wants to do because she's she's a great in-the-moment player. Yep. She's talking about what she wants to do right now, how she's going to get her alliance forward right now, who she needs to get out right now. I don't really know about the future with Heidi, and I'm worried about that. And I want to see next episode if there is that future. Because if we see more of that future, if we see what she kind of wants for the end game, maybe she wants to take uh, a Ratu goat to the end. Like maybe she wants to take Kane or something who has no agency. Or maybe she does want to stick Soka Strong all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. If we get that future, I think she's going to absolutely break into that one or two spot. My only problem with Heidi, it's visibility. Yeah. I know, I know, I know we've had 
you know, Gabler we've had, and we've had and Erica, who was literally gone for half a season and then came out of nowhere and won the game. But at the same time, too, the one thing that they both have going for themselves is that with like um, Erica, she was pretty much safe the entire pre-merge. I know they had one tribal, but like, does that really count? Yeah, I'm sorry. Voting out Claire is not a big tribal council. No offense to Claire, but you know. And so, but my only problem is, is that it's Survivor is built upon a narrative, right? Because we, they, the season's over. The winner's already been crowned with a million dollars. And I, I don't know. I know Heidi has all the makings to be a great player. It's just, will the stars align? And I don't know how likely it is because she can absolutely like say like, oh, you know, Danny was my uh, my shield and whatnot. But my problem with all of Soka is that I feel like their narrative is very Soka strong. Yeah. I, I feel like with Tika, Tika is in everyone's corner. And then like we see them interact in every honey. They're in every honey jar. They're everywhere. And then, you know, Ratu I think has a similar, like, is similar. I feel like Tika is just the best, or not the most visible tribe. And I think Ratu, at least, there's some, like, you know, we have Kane working with Carson, even though Carson originally was, uh, or went to Ratu during the, the weird shuffle. Yeah, I feel like that's at least something more than what Soka's doing. Because, again, the only thing Heidi really has outside of Soka is Jamie, who eventually went to Soka. And you know, so that's my only fear with Heidi is that she, it's too Soka centered. But if you, I, I'm, I'm Heidi, absolutely, I think Heidi would be. I think Heidi, if she continues to make good moves and she makes some good plays, she could absolutely be a phenomenal winner for this season. I think the statement that I can say about Heidi that I think is true is that if you copy copy her edit strip or copy her edit and her game and paste it into a season from the thirties or the twenties, she would win a hundred percent. I think I just don't think she's a new era winner because this whole new era is trying to define something new. There's new types of winners. Now there's new kinds of players who are winning. Now I think Heidi would win in a season a few years ago. Yeah. The way she's being presented, I just don't think she will win now unless there's a change now. So my only my only thing with the 20s though is that I feel like the season 20s were defined by like these crazy strong play like some of the best players to play happened in the 20s. Cam Spradlin, Tony Vlacos, uh Natalie Anderson. Yeah. So I just, but thirties, absolutely. I think I think she would have done really well, season because we had people like Michelle, you know, Adam. Yeah, people we who had, weren't um, the most aggressive in controlling players, but they were able to hide on the radar, and then do whatever. But I do like something. Something just doesn't f- sit right. I think Heidi, if she did win, she'd be just a slightly more visible. Just, just. Ever I know she's just a hair, just a hair. Yeah, one more confessional each episode. That's it. Done. Lock it up. Yep. I agree. I agree. I think 
that Soka narrative is so strong as a unit where the only true individual story from Soka is Franny, is Franny and Matt and mm -hmm. Franny and Matt are that story is done. So now it's just a matter of will Heidi break out enough now to really capitalize yeah, this lady. She needs to. She needs to, sure. Next we got Jamie. Uh I was high on Jamie for a little bit. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um I got a little bit of new <laughs> I got a little bit of new era syndrome with Jamie. Uh I put her pretty high because I was starting to get to get the feeling that if she's just this nice bubbly personality, if she's making good social inroads, especially on Soka, like her time on Soka was well spent. Um with sure a terrible premiere, like we've seen bad premieres out of winners. Like Marianne had a crazy over-the-top premiere all in your face. Like they'll be like, whoa, that's not what a that's not what a winner of Survivor is. And Gabler asked to get voted off. Gabler asked to get voted off and thought he was gonna play a shot in the dark, like all that stuff. Like winners have bad premieres. And I at first obviously wrote Jamie off, but then I started to look and then she's like, okay, she's got a good social game and she's, you know, she's just a cheery person. And I think people will gravitate to that. And I think that means longevity. It means longevity. She's still in the game, but it's starting to wean off because the same kind of deal with other players, she's not getting the right stuff at the right time. We're not getting, she's kind of slipping control a little bit. These past rounds, she's lost control. She saw Matt go. Uh, she saw. Uh, oh wait, no, no, no. I, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Uh, last episode, just last episode, yeah. lost control with the idol play, uh, and I think that control is now slipping because, in a way, Brandon was almost like a uniter of Rat of Ratu. Now it's Jamie, Lauren, and Kane, and I think they can mesh together. It's just not as profound as some of the other relationships or alliances in the game. So I think Jamie at this point is kind of weaning off and I think she's heading towards an elimination probably in the next two rounds, especially with the next time on Survivor, her talking about, I still have my idol. Like, clearly she doesn't. I think the time to sell on Jamie's stock was probably right around three episodes ago, yeah. right as the merge was hitting. I think now it's past the point. So my thing with J, I so it's not just Jamie. Uh, the winner of Survivor Forty Four is not coming from Ratu. I one hundred percent agree. I like Lauren. Carson's cool, but but Carson's more Tika. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Carson. But <laughs> yeah. the, the Jamie is just her gameplay. She's just she's just an all right play. Like she's all right. Yeah, and I feel like that's okay. Because not Survivor yeah. doesn't need all 20 amazing one-of-a-kind players. Sometimes you just need a goofball who's not the best game. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, Jamie, I, I think, too, like, Jamie is one of the players that I just have the least connection with. It's like, I don't want to sound mean. It's just, you know, I just, Jamie, she's just all right. Um, and I do, I do agree that sometimes winners have bad premieres. But I feel like everything that Jamie has done in the game so far hasn't been the strongest. Yeah. And I feel like like it's not bad. 
but it's far from perfect. And especially when you're looking at the rest of the cast and you have, you know, these super high up players like Carson, Jam Jam and Carolyn, uh, and then even Dark Horses like Heidi and Franny. I don't think Jamie can really not. I don't say she can't compete. It's just she's kind of past the, again time to sell her stock. Episode four, episode five. Now it's just now. Now she's just low. Yeah, I think, I think as Jamie declines, and I think as Jamie will, my guess is probably head out in these next few episodes. I think, kind of the whole remembrance of Jamie is going to be about she was a positive person, had great energy, and she played the game pretty good. Not fantastic, not over the top genius, but she played the game pretty well. She's well known more for her personality and not gameplay, which is the yeah. opposite of what Stockwatch is, baby. Stockwatch is about the game. We gotta be game, game. good. <laughs> gotta gotta be good at the game. Yeah, I think Jamie. Loves this podcast. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, I think Jamie is just a great personality, and I think we've seen that kind of, you know. She's just like a like a B roll character, a side character, kind of get eliminated around this range in the new era, and I think that's okay. And I think Jamie will just fit that bill. Yep. So, no shame. I kind of feel the same about Kane. <laughs> um, in a way, I think Kane has been just more of a personality. This game, yep. uh, the Dungeons and Dragons, the I'm a nerd kind of stuff. Um, all that kind of stuff has been in our faces. We know, okay, Kane's the nerd, Kane's the nerdy guy. The one thing that I'm still waiting to see really capitalized on is that relationship with Carson, because I feel like that hasn't gone to the extent it will go. And I think next episode, if the dynamic continues where they're going to start, uh, trying to ouster Ratu, Ratu, I think Carson will try and make a play to save Kane and go for Jamie or Lauren. And I think that story will end. once. I think once Kane and Carson's story of an episode, once it hits a peak, Kane will be gone really soon after. I You could make an argument that Kane is just floating along and he may get carried to the end. I just don't think so. I think this is a different season, and I think in any other season, Kane would either be a nerdy game bot and a decent player, and he could be carried to the end, like Owen from last season. But in this season, I just don't see it. And I think I just got we just got to wait for that payoff. I think once it's paid off with Carson, he's out the door. So there's three things i can say about kane a this is the most crackpot theory but kane is playing very under the radar has made strong connections and his personality fits with the theme of the season right very geeky very dungeons and dragons and to add on to that real quick to add on to that real quick i think um i think kane has done a great job with brandon And I think he did a great job with Brandon because at the beginning they were at odds and Kane voted for Brandon and Brandon was like, I know Kane voted for me. He's on my radar. They kind of, they kind of put that aside and they're like, let's stick together. And they had 
a pretty good, from what I could see, decent relationship going into the end of the game. Go ahead. Continue. So, but that, you know, Kane can go to the final end or final uh, tribal council and be like, hey, I played under the radar, made strong connections. You know, any mistake I made, I was able to rebound from. And with him being nerdy and the season kind of being nerdy, Kane could be the winner. Or, second theory, Kane is a GOAT. Makes it far in the end, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't been playing as active enough. And maybe people will see him as just playing Carson's game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's say they just take out Carson beforehand uh, because I don't think Carson's winning the game. And then, you know... Kane is Kane goes to final travel council and loses. Third theory: the both sides want to take out a Tika member, and they want to take out Carson, right? Uh, because I don't think they would think that Jam Jam and uh, Carolyn are as tight because of Carolyn voting for Brandon and the rest voting for Franny. Right. They'd probably assume that Carson is the head of Tika and would want to take him out. Carson wins the challenge. And Jam Jam being Jam Jam is able to save himself, you know, talk it out with people. They might see Kane as a good uh, good person to take out, right? Because Jam Jam might be connected with Carson, but he's also connected well with everyone else. Kane, mm-hmm. his closest ally, and the only connection we've really seen of Kane is his friendship with uh, Carson. So it is possible for Carson to be the target, Carson wins immunity, Kane goes out. That's agree? very true. Yeah. I, uh, those are three very good theories. I think I'm the least sold on the first one. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think Kane wins the season. Just, just a hunch. Don't think Kane wins the season. I think he's more along the lines of he's either a goat to the end or this payoff with Carson is going to hit really soon. And, Honestly, now would probably be the time to sell on Kane stock, in my opinion. I, you know, he hasn't really been uh, in the forefront, the strongest contender. But I think at this point now, before he's eliminated, it might be time to just sell it and move on. If you have Kane stock, I think probably the best time is now. Yeah. Yeah. But I like Kane. I think he's a funny guy. Yeah. I, I, I like Kane too, but I do. I think he's winning. No, yeah. uh, probably not. Probably not. That's why he's the lowest on <laughs> the, the uh, contenders. All right, two more. Lauren. Uh, yeah, yeah. Poor Lauren. Uh, Lauren seems so nice. She had a phenomenal moment this previous episode with the challenge. Everybody, everybody's survivor bucket list always has win an individual immunity on it. That's on everybody's survivor bucket list. Especially endurance too, something like that. Absolutely. Just fighting it out, mm-hmm. holding on for dear life. That that you know, that is absolutely a dream moment to have on Survivor. And I think she got that. Um that being said, I just we haven't seen that strength and confidence that I saw in the premiere. It was mm-hmm. negative. It was negatively toned. She was clearly edited to be negative. She was clearly one of the v- more villainous people in that first episode. But I think what's interesting is that 
she started to subdue a little bit. She started to mellow out and she started to become a little bit of a narrator and kind of give a little bit of insight into what was going on every episode, which is a common formula for a survivor winner. I just, now would probably be the time to start seeing that strength of edit. I think realistically it should have been this episode or the previous episode. Like I'm saying, I've been saying about like now probably three or four people. I need to see this strength of edit. I need to see their edit get stronger, but it's not them. And it's the other people who have had strong edits that are getting those strong edits. And I think it's a little too late now for Lauren. I think she goes home in the next few rounds, just like Jamie will. I feel so bad because Lauren got done dirty with the edit. She's very under, and I hate how she's upset with it on Twitter too. I see tweets from her all the time saying, you know, I wish um, I would just get one more confessional, uh, me and Heidi, because they deserve it. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter if Lauren is the most boring person, what she's not. It doesn't matter if she was, you know, more bland and cardboard. You'll give her <laughs> like three more confessionals. And that's really the only reason why I'm writing Lauren off is because I feel like she's just stuck in the Ratu bubble of just not having a lot of winning potential, right? Mm-hmm. That we have with Jamie, that we have with Kane. And it, it, it sucks because like Lauren seems like a fun person. And even like yesterday was her biggest moment, right? But it doesn't, it didn't feel like a Lauren episode. Yeah. It felt like a Danny episode or a Franny episode. And so when I feel like that is her biggest moment, I think the time to sell her stock is now, right? Because I, I agree. I don't think she's making it. She might make it farther. She might be like one of those like Heather-esque picks that should make it really obscenely far, like final five, final four. But then just, you know, and she, I honestly, that could be her biggest thing is that she's very nice. And so probably going to be a social threat come final five and people would take her out because she could win over the jury. But I don't see her winning. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think the time the seller stock is either right now or probably like episode three, episode four. Uh, I think maybe episode three was a little too early to sell that stock. I think yeah. probably now or last episode is a pretty good time to sell it. I will say I really do I really do wish we saw more of Lauren this season. I think she could have the potential to be a super bold strategist. And I think she would have made I think if we saw her more in the edit and she did more in the game, just like a little bit more, I think we would have seen that. She still has an extra vote. She did abstain a vote. She still has that extra vote. We don't know what's going to happen, if that's going to pay off or anything. Um, But I'm really interested to see now what Lauren does this week with the whole kind of idea of now Ratu is kind of being ganged up on. Because it's clear Tika and Soka are – they're likely going to congeal. And it's probably going to be a Ratu going home. So now it's about figuring out, okay, what will Lauren do with that on her plate? Exactly. And I hate to say it, I think she goes – I think if I had to rank the Ratus, I'd, I think Jamie is the lowest. Mm-hmm. I think Lauren is after Jamie, though. 
because I think Lauren, I mean, we just don't see, we don't see much of Lauren. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like at least with Kane, we see his relationship with Carson for a while. And to me, that's bigger than like Lauren and Heidi. Yeah. Yeah. Or or is it Heidi and Jamie? Prom. Fix your editing, bro. Like I talked about <laughs> editing, and then or about the cast, and then it's like, dog. Because <laughs> that's the thing. It's like I don't, I don't know that like Heidi has these connections because we see Heidi talk about the connections. We, yeah. we just see like a camera pan over, and Heidi's talking to people. And she's like, yeah, yeah, who are we voting out? And then it pans to like Danny running around, and then Jam Jam, like being Jam Jam. It's rough. It's a rough world for the Ratus. I'll tell you who is not living in a rough world, though, and that is Jam Jam. Let's go! Good grief! This this man, I uh, it's a risk putting someone as visible and as distinct as Jam Jam at number one because he is a strong personality. He's got a lot of. He's got a lot of social skill. He's got a, he's got that tw- he's got the twinkle in his eye. You know, he's got the twinkle in the eye of I'm going to convince you to do this. I'm going to be on your side. Like he's got that about him, and it's tough putting someone who is definitively the leader of confessionals on the scene of the season, the leader of visibility. Jam Jam is the most visible person on this season. Right now, hundred percent, no doubt. He's a good player, and he's had some really good episodes. The first episode, the second episode, uh, last episode, even this episode, he's had really good showings, and he's also had really bad showings. Episode four, he looks awful. He looks absolutely horrible. Yep. I think though, my confidence with Jam Jam lies in two things. Number one. He fits that bill of the new era winner in a different way. Marianne was this over-the-top fun personality turned into a really savvy strategist. Gabler laid low, played it low. Erica came up out of nowhere. Jam Jam is that in-your-face, super social savvy kind of guy who has that negativity from episode four and you know, another episode, but really kind of ties it all together with everything else. And then number two, I think this is the real kicker. It's mentioned that whenever somebody talks about Jam Jam in the way that he's a threat, they say Jam Jam is so good. Jam Jam is so in control. Jam Jam is the man. You wouldn't say that unless you were trying to leave context clues because with Jam Jam's edit, with his personality, we don't see that he's completely in control. We see that he's panicked. We see that he's scared that he's going to go home a lot of the time. But then other people feeding into that idea that Jam Jam is really steering the ship and has been, yep. I think that's the key cog in the works as to why Jam Jam is really, really good shot. Probably winning this thing. So here's my thing. Now, stick with me on this one. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Jam Jam and his threat management is a more visible Erica? Because we saw with Erica Ooh. in season 41, everyone was like, 
Erica's a threat. Like we should we should think about taking out Erica. No one ever did. They went after the bigger threats. Could Jam Jam? But the only difference is that Jam Jam is so funny and like so lively in these confessions that people you know remember Jam Jam. Right? I I think I'm gonna have to agree with you because. Yep. I think Jam Jam is that personality, is that big personality. I also hate to say that there may be a little bit of gender bias in there because Because women have typically been under edited and have typically been served with a lot of just under the radar, not a lot of confessionals. Whereas Jam Jam, someone who fits that bill like Erica, who big threat early on and, you know, everybody's talking about that person. It's a he thing. But that's, I think that's on the back burner more. I just think it's because Jam Jam is more a super strong personality. Like Erica, admittedly, is a very normal person. Very normal, very chill. Yeah, she's very, she's very chill. She's a very normal person. Jam Jam is not a normal person. He is a very eccentric kind of guy. And so you need to fill that with a strong edit. So I think that's probably the biggest reasons. And so I do agree with that analysis and i think maybe that was the goal with how they're kind of portraying jam jam you know you think okay if it's erica where they're talking about him like a threat but he's not being edited oh it's clear it's an erica type he's gonna win the game it's a different type now because he's in your face about it and he's like erica i just think in that regard I think we've kind of caught on to that idea. And I think that's a really good take. And not only that too, but I feel like if, if people do target Tika, I don't see them targeting jam jam first, which is weird because I feel like jam jam has been playing the best game um, because I feel like they would either see Carson as a physical threat or they would catch on to the gameplay that Carolyn has. Cause I still think Carolyn mm. is one of, I think Carolyn in some regards, is a little stronger than Jam Jam. I think. I think comes, so. Yeah. When it comes to who I think, who I'd place money on winning, and surviving, I think Jam Jam is more easy to kind of float or fly, fly under the radar. And I feel like right. once the target's on Carolyn, Carolyn's cooked. She's been doing a good job not having the target on her, but Jam Jam has been targeted before, and he's been able to just hide, which is Pardon. really good. Pardon. 100% agree. I think Carolyn has absolutely played under the radar well, despite her personality, despite her very big personality. She's played super under the radar. She's still got that idol from Tika that nobody knows about. No one knows about that idol, which is really, really great gameplay. But I think you're right. Once Carolyn is in that spotlight, she's cooked. Yep. And I'm interested to see if that compared to Jam Jam, because Jam Jam's faced pressure. Like Jam Jam almost went home the previous episode, was a target in the merge episode. Like he has been under pressure and so he knows how to handle it. Carolyn doesn't. And so I'm interested to see if that means an elimination for Carolyn or it means she falls apart right at the end. Uh, sorry, long day. So <laughs> my, my thing is though, I think Jam Jam one of the biggest things is that I don't, he's not the perfect player which yeah. helps him because that's the thing with like Carson is that I feel like Carson's too perfect. He's too much of the golden boy, but 
Jam Jam has made mistakes. He has had episode four, really bad move, but then he's able to go past it. And that's why I think Jam Jam and Carolyn are number one and two for me. Because I right. think they both made mistakes, or not even mistakes, but they both have flaws and they both know how to go over past those flaws, which also would make it really easy to signify and fight on Tribal Council. Jam Jam could say like, hey, look, a lot of you guys wanted me out uh, way back when and I was able to survive. And Carolyn's able to say like, hey, I've been, my finger's been on the pulse the entire game and I've been saying these things, no one listens and I had to take control uh, on my own. And I, I think, think looking at, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say like, that's just why I think those two are the strongest players right now. And I think they're, one of them is going to win. I think that's fair. I think kind of now just taking a quick look at the top four, at least for me with uh, Jam Jam, Carson, Heidi, and Carolyn. I think fitting the bill of the new era winner is Jam Jam and, Car- uh, and Carolyn, for sure. Playing good games, but they're that distinct personality. Whereas I think Carson and Heidi are probably the better players and the more like strategically sound players. But I do, th- I do wonder if it's a little too cookie cutter for me. I do think those four are probably the best four left in the game, save for Franny. So my top four, in order, you can write this down, Jam Jam, Carolyn, Heidi, Franny. Carson at five, I'm guessing? Carson's at five. I'll, I'll, I, Carson's been playing a good game. I don't think he's going to win. But hmm. at the same time, if not the other four, Carson's going to win. Right. I think narrowing it down to those five as the contenders left for this season, left for this season is probably going to make sense. Yep. Well, let's go ahead and flip all the way to the beginning of the slides, and we are going to take a look at Edic now. Not for too long. Just kind of taking a look at kind of what we've summarized for this point. This is my personal edic with the contenders at the bottom. Um, and so, you know, we do take a look at some of these uh, edic strips. You see Carolyn with the over the top and you see her kind of fading down now. You kind of see her mellowing out a little bit, even though it's still over the top. Um, you see Jam Jam with that super high visibility tone all over the place like he is over the top positive then over the top negative then cp medium cp negative cp positive all that kind of stuff uh you see carson with that cookie cutter you see heidi with the under the radar positive too and then kind of the upticks like yep that's the thing i'm talking about with heidi i think right now it's been fine and i think maybe one more confessional in certain areas would help i think now she needs to start ticking up more and have more future tech, which is good. You see Jamie with kind of a rebound with the middle road positive, all that kind of stuff. So what do you kind of see with this edic and what kind of stories so, do you see continuing with this? I think I think the biggest takeaway is that I think the best way to describe it is that I feel like the season and the contenders is like an onion. We have the first layer, right? We have where Lauren, Kane, and Jamie are. I love them all, but mm-hmm. they're not winning the game. Right. Um, and then there's also the second layer where you have someone like Danny. You have, you know, uh, I'll even throw Heidi in there, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not the most flashy players, 
but they they have strategic senses they have the complex personalities uh in, in franny is also in there like more visible right and then you have like the true blue contenders of like jam jam carson uh uh Heidi, Heidi. Heidi. exactly and so i think i think just calling it an onion <laughs> i think is the best way to really describe it um yeah because i, I think like that's fair there's no one i think that has zero shot except like maybe jamie yeah that she's the only only player i think legitimately doesn't have that good of a shot i could be wrong i think the onion analogy i think the onion analogy is pretty good i beg to say though that it was not an onion at i don't think it was necessarily much of an onion at the beginning no there's too I many don't people. think so. There's too many people. There's too many strong people. There's too many good narratives going on. Like you had Matthew, who was phenomenal at the beginning, and who thought, oh, he could easily win this thing. Uh, you had Matt, who had a good premiere. You had Helen, who was kind of looking to be under the radar a little bit. Sarah had a good premiere as well. Like you had a lot of good people. But now, now that we're really in the thick of the game, I think now it's starting to become that onion. Yep. Yeah. So the best way to describe like mid game, <clears throat> mid to late game survivor. Yeah. All right. Last thing, I think we should go through each person and we should say buy, stay, or sell for their stock. Buy. They're riding on the high. We think they're going up. We buy their stock. We're feeling good about it. Stay. If you have the stock, good. If you don't, leave it alone. Sell. Get rid of that stock ASAP. Let's start with, let's just go alphabetically. We'll start with Carolyn. Bye. I think bye as well. I think she's still riding right there. I think if we see a great episode from her tomorrow, I think 100% bye is the right move. So I'm going to have to agree with you. I think forecasting bye would probably be a good idea for Carolyn. Carson. Sell. So I think, I think stay for right now. I think stay. If we see, I think if we see like a mediocre episode or not great episode for Carson, I think sell a hundred percent tomorrow. I don't want to jump the gun and say sell though just yet, just because it has been pretty good so far. Yep. Danny. Sell. Sell. Yeah. Yep. I think this episode proved that great player uh and had a good move but i think his time is going to start running out so. no winner potential yep franny Stay. this is interesting yeah I, i'm in the i'm in the middle like part of me says buy part of me says sell but i think kind of mixing that i'm saying stay that that that's it, it's middle right it's like it, yeah. you don't know which you buy or sell you just stay no harm yeah, it's riding the middle franny's riding the middle if the top contenders have a slip. If there's some, you know, there's some real flaws and Franny pops up next episode or like right after next episode, bye. hundred percent. Uh, next is Heidi. I think this is a buy for right now. Bye. Yep. I think she I think- has, she can still go up. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends. I mean, it depends how much stock you have of Heidi though. Don't have too yeah. much stock of Heidi because I still think she's not, the top mm-hmm. she's like 
the upper crust though. Right. Yeah. So I don't think buy too much. I think just buy in just enough. Yeah. Yep. Jamie. Sell. Sell. You got to get rid of it. If you still have it. I don't even know right. if you do still have it. I, I straight up, I know the next, the next two are also going to be sell. <laughs> the, the next, yeah. Kane and Lauren are also going to be sell. I think selling them at least for each of them. Kane was early. Jamie was a few episodes ago. Lauren was also a few episodes ago. I think they were all sell. And if you don't have them, good. Sell. Jam Jam is interesting. I think... Buy. If you don't have it, buy. Like, if you do not have it, buy. If you have it, stay. I don't think you sell just yet because Jam Jam has been so consistently good that I don't think you get rid of that. With just enough flaws to make me still think he can win. That's the problem yeah. with Carson. He's too perfect with no flaws. Jam Jam has flaws. Enough of them. Yeah, we got to see. Next episode is going to be real interesting because um, we're going to see potentially some relationships and some points in the game paying off. Kane and Carson, Lauren's extra vote. We're going to see if you know Carson actually does have any flaws or if he's just absolutely flawless game. But we're going to see a lot of these things pay off. And I think that this next episode is going to really start to tell us who we can buy, who we can sell, and who we can stay with. 100%. Um, and Because we're in the weird part of Survivor, right? Because mm-hmm. there's always the mid, there's the pre-merge, there's the merge, and then there's the end game. But like the problem with like the new Survivor is that the end game is getting pushed back. And so there's like the pre-merge, and then there's just like bleh, and then there's the end game. And we're in the yeah. blue right now. Like I don't it's it's the middle game, but it feels a little too fun. Like it's the middle game, but everyone's thinking about the end, despite it being so early. That yeah, that pre-merge for all the new era seasons has been super snappy, super quick. We're going through it. It is lightning paced. And then right after that big merge episode, it just lulls. Yeah. And it sits there for a little bit. And then that end game is so profound because that's where all the moves happen now because everyone is waiting to the end game to take that big shot and really make the resume move to win the game so yeah well you got um you got anything to say any anything else to say for our first stack watch podcast follow saving bruce at official saving bruce <laughs> and follow jack paddle as well on instagram um all right well if you don't have anything i don't uh it's been an absolute pleasure doing this yeah. podcast for the first time. It's definitely going to happen again. 100%. Kind of experimental. You know, we're, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast. We did the slides. We might do something different th- uh, next time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll trade ideas um, back and forth going into it. Yeah. And, we'll, yeah. Expect yeah. expect the format to be a little different each week, but by the end of the season, we'll, we'll get it down to a science. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jack and Will with the stocks. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time, guys. Adios.